Amen. Amen. Can we just thank God for who he is? Put your hands together and thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you. I want to share a word with you. I shared with our uh, worship team. Um, uh, when we were getting together this afternoon, um, the Lord put this word in my heart. It's Psalm chapter 14, verse 2. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. Isn't that powerful? That God looks down from heaven to see if anybody is seeking after him. I thought about that for a little bit. And I thought, what does it mean to seek after God? I told the team, I, you know, does it just mean like a Google search? Is that pretty much what it is? Is that the depth of it? Like how much of God do you want in your life? How much of God do you want? You feel like you know it all already? You feel like you've already been there before? You've heard that song on the playlist and you know it already and you just know it? Nothing left for you? You know what? God's not done with you. God's not done with me. I'll tell you that. And I, I believe God wants you to experience more. Say more with me. More. More of his love. Say more again. More. More of his mercy. More of his grace. And I believe God wants to continue to transform and use us in a powerful way. He wants to set some people on fire. Men, do you, do you smell that? What's that smell, men? Do you smell that? I asked the men that question during men's retreat. I said, what's that smell? And, and they were looking at me puzzled. And I said, oh, I know what it is. It's a fire that's starting to burn inside of your heart. That's that smell. It's that smoke from someone who has had an encounter with God. So I hope today, a lot of you start to smell. You know, I hope that happens. I hope that happens. Uh, before you sit down, uh, turn to someone and, and tell them you smell. Can you do that? Tell them you smell, and then you can have a seat, guys. You, tell them you smell. <laughs> see that ad on the Super Bowl? I know some of you didn't even watch. Who did not watch the Super Bowl at all? You just did not watch it. Quite a few people. Uh, welcome those of you who are online. Thanks for being a part of this service. I just have a feeling God's going to move in your heart in a crazy special way. So have your heart open. And I want to say the same thing for those of you who are in person. I just believe God wants to do a special thing. I encourage you to have an open heart have an open mind and maybe maybe you'll experience something bigger than yourself maybe you'll be surprised by uh, by even church tonight so that ad a uh, little bit about it, uh, um, it there's this uh, campaign or this nonprofit organization called he gets us and uh, it's uh, the whole goal about uh, this organization is this to understand the authentic Jesus as he's depicted in the Bible the Jesus of radical forgiveness 
compassion, and love. That's the goal of this organization. Incidentally, two commercials, $20 million. Those two commercials. That was a $10 million commercial you just saw right there. And I love the the focus behind this uh, organization, He Gets Us. Um, and it, there's this initiative behind it called the Servant Foundation, and uh, they they are they're doing this. The, this Christian foundation is based in Kansas. Hello, a few Kansas in the woohoo, Kansas. Uh, a few Kansas in what is it? Kansasians, Kansasians, Kansas. You guys are going to help me out. Um, so check this out. One of the people behind this commercial, behind this organization, he's a billionaire. You shop at his store. Maybe you shop at his store. His store is located within walking distance of our 15 acres of property on Washington. And the chain, the store is called Hobby Lobby. And David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby, who's estimated to be worth between right around 14.8 billion dollars. Um, he's one of the top 50 um, most richest people in the world. Um, and and, and uh, he's behind, uh, and which is amazing. It says a lot about the Green family. Uh, thank God there are people who have a high net worth that fear God and are using their resources for the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord for that. Uh, <clears throat> Check this out. David Green said this. He said, if you have anything or if I have anything, it's because it's been given to us by our creator. So I have learned to say, look, this is yours, God. It's all yours. I'm going to give it to you. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful attitude right there. And and, uh, I thought, how appropriate you know, we, we've been in this series and, you know, talking about money and how God wants us to handle our resources, the resources that he gives us. And I read a, I read a verse just last week from a guy named King David, and he said basically the same thing. How could I give this to you? It already belongs to you, God. So I'm only giving you back what you've given me. Uh, the title of today's message is Tap here, tap here. Anybody uh, like to tap instead of like insert and, and swipe? I, I like to tap when it's available. It's just super easy. Sometimes if I'm just close, like if my credit card's like within 12 inches, it automatically picks it up. Has that ever happened to you? And I'm like, oh, I got, I got to be careful. Uh, I got to be careful because they just, you know, they just happen to be open and he detected my credit card. So I need to make sure somebody else is standing closer <laughs> and maybe it'll pick them up. But um, tap here, we're, we're in a, a tap here culture now you know it's it's now uh it's now, now you don't have to touch anything and you can just bring out your credit card when you're at starbucks or wherever you're at and you can just tap and there it is it takes your money but it reminds us i mean with that simple tap thing that invisible thing that happens i'm sure pastor jeremy can explain what happens to me to that better uh, better than i can but i just know that this is our culture we're, we're just, you know, I like this, I, I click on this, I tap here, whatever it is. This is, our, this is our culture. Now, Jesus talked a lot about money. In fact, it's been said that uh, he shared 39 parables, and a parable is a story. 
you know, he had this illustration and he would talk about a farmer or whatever it was. And the purpose of parables was to teach us life lessons, to teach us about who God is, to teach us about who we are, and to teach us about God's heart for our lives. And out of those 39 parables, 11 of them included or involved money. Now, money was not always like it wasn't always about money, but he would use money to teach us a bigger, a bigger message. Sometimes it was about money, but other times it was about maybe faithfulness or whatever it might be. Um, and, and think about this way. The way we manage our money says a lot about what's important to us. Said it before. All we have to do is look at your checking account and we'll know what the desire of your heart is. We'll know what's important to you. We'll know what you love. We'll know what, what matters to you. All, I mean, our, our, the trail of our money says all of that. Now, there's one story I want to hone in on, Luke chapter 16. As I was working on this message, this is the first parable that came to my mind. Actually, it's a, it's a description. Luke chapter 16, if you read the whole thing, there's a parable in there about this unjust steward. But um, the end of, chapter, of this parable, Jesus says this. He says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in larger ones. Let's say that out loud, guys. If you're faithful in little things, and Jesus is teaching us something here, but, say but with me, if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Then he goes on to say, and if you are untrustworthy, if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, you will, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Well, let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for your spirit. And I thank you in advance for the way you're going to work in hearts. I thank you in advance for drawing people to yourself. I thank you in advance for humbling people, even during this sermon, Lord. I pray you move in the heart of that person who's watching online, whether they're in a hospital room, or they're in a car, or in a kitchen. Would you just move in their hearts, God? I pray for every soul that's here in-house, Lord. Would you grab a hold, every sinner and saint? We all need your grace, God. And I pray that you move in the heart of that person who calls themselves that Christian, I pray you move in the heart of that person who's here, but really is not here, God. I pray you move in the heart of that person who's distracted. I pray you move in the heart of that person who's overwhelmed by the problems around them, God, weighed down, and I pray they find grace and peace. I pray for healing. There's a lot of people who just need your healing touch, Lord. Maybe it's physical. It could be emotional. It could be sexual. Whatever it is, God, I pray for healing. I pray that burdens are, are cast off today. I pray that we have an encounter with you that's undeniable, life-changing. So move here. Holy Spirit, move in and through me. 
for your good pleasure. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh boy, God loves you. God loves you. I'm excited about this sermon, guys. Um, God moved in a really special way, and, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Every time I preach on Saturday nights, it's like the first time the baby comes out been working on the message all week, and I don't know what this message is going to come out, what it's going to look like, and you're going to see it live like me. I, I don't rehearse them or anything like that. I just bathe myself in prayer and studying God's Word, and uh, this is one of those sermons that on, uh, you know, was really written uh, early on, and then today the Lord just took it a little bit of a different direction, but uh, <clears throat> I want to look at this, this parable or this, this teaching that Jesus shared with us here a little, and I want to say this, um, small moments matter to God. When God sees you're faithful with small things, God will entrust you with bigger things. So this is a formula that God has. This is the way God determines if you're ready. This is the way God determines your faithfulness. This is the way God determines your capacity. God looks at, okay, can you handle this nugget of truth? Are you, are you, able, to, are you able to be faithful with this small thing? And if you're faithful with this small thing, it tells God that you're willing to be faithful in other areas of your life. In other areas of your life. So Jesus starts off with this message of uh, verse 10. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in larger ones, in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So he starts off really, really low. You know, it's real, the bar's pretty low. And he says, okay, how are you doing with this? This is pretty simple stuff, and I want to make sure you, you got this down. Um, something, something you see in this right here is this. God doesn't overlook the small things in your life. He doesn't overlook them. We do. We sometimes look at those small things in our life, and we think, no big deal. It's only one time. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to let it go. I'm not responsible with this thing. It's just no big deal. It's, it's, it's no skin off of my back. It doesn't define me or whatever it is. And we reason and, all, and we say, you know what? I'm, it's not a big deal. And we can minimize the small things. We convince ourselves, you know, we'll be different when I have greater responsibility. We'll be different when I graduate, <laughs> we'll be different when I get out of this season. When, you know what? Things will be different when I have another job. Things will be different when I'm in a relationship. Things will be different when I get married. Things will be different when I'm in that next whatever. And we convince ourselves that who I am now really doesn't have any weight because I'm just, I'm doing some compromising. I'm unfaithful, and, but I don't want to call it unfaithful. I'm not going to call it compromising. I don't do that, but I let it slide and it really doesn't have any effect on me. Doesn't. God doesn't overlook the small things in your life. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor, God spoke to me in the small things. I can't tell you how many times I was, I was, uh, when, when we were starting Thorn Creek Church and, uh, 
And a little small thing, I'm just going to tell you, there was this thing called Blockbuster Video. Anybody remember Blockbuster Video? Yeah, Blockbuster Video. I know I'm, I'm dating myself now. I know I am. And uh, Blockbuster Video, uh, I would go rent videos and we'd play them in the service. But I remember there was one, one row or one lane in, in Blockbuster Video that had some pretty, you know, uh, sketchy, uh, sexual pictures of the movie. You know what I'm talking about? It's usually like the foreign film section or whatever it was. And I remember I, I would, I'd walk down there and I'd look at it and I'd feel like, I, okay, I don't feel good about this. And there was something inside of me that said, Reuben, you don't need to look at this and you don't need to dwell on it. And then the Lord started telling me, don't go down that aisle. Don't go down that aisle. Well, nobody's around. Nobody knows me. The Blockbuster video lady did not know I was a pastor. They didn't know any of that. But I remember the day when I said, I'm not going to go down that aisle. Now, there was no one to applaud me. There was no one to say, hey, well, way to go or anything. But you know what I felt when I didn't do it? I felt God say, you know what I'm talking about? Those little moments. You have a little moment, don't you? Maybe God's saying, I don't want you to go there anymore. I don't want you to look at that anymore. I don't want you to lie anymore. I don't want you to, I don't want you to talk like that anymore. I don't want you to, I don't want you to hate on them anymore. I don't want you to, whatever it is, we have those little moments that seem insignificant. They seem insignificant, but God wants to know, are you going to be faithful? And it starts with that little thing. And the thing about the little thing is nobody knows how big that little thing is except you and God. There's nobody to applaud you. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody to applaud you. You just know that little thing, it's not good for me. You know what it is. That little thing doesn't make me a better person. That little thing, I become someone different. When I do that little thing, that little thing leads me down a road. And I don't like who I am in the mirror. But the, the, the moment you look at that little thing and you recognize, you know what, it matters to God. God cares about that little thing. God wants all of you. God wants all of you. And I'll tell you what, uh, here's the truth. When you start grappling with the little things, one of the things you recognize, as soon as you start understanding, the moment you say, okay, I'm not going to do that little thing, I'm not going to, whatever it is, that what a little thing is, whatever it is, and the moment you say, I'm not going to, God, I recognize, you have to recognize that, first of all, it's not God's will. Because if you don't recognize it's not God's will, then there's no issue at all. There's no issue at all. But if you recognize there's a living God who cares about you and has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life, and he wants you to grow. And that little thing, you say, okay, God, I'm going to turn to you. The Bible calls this repent. Repent. Repenting is a wonderful thing. It means to change one's mind. Means I used to do this, and that little thing was no big deal. I used to listen to that song over and over. I used to listen to that music all the time. I used to talk like this. I used to hang out with this person. I used to play that game. I used to, whatever it is, I used to. But now I'm going to change my mind. I don't think it's good for me anymore. That's called repent. 
Some of you need to repent today. Some of you watching online need to repent. If you want to get serious about your relationship with God, it starts with confession and repentance. If you really want to go to God and you want to grow in your relationship with God, it starts with God. I, I, want, to, I want to change who I am and I recognize this is not your will. And I'm going, to, I'm going to turn away from that and I'm going to run to you, God. And I ask you for forgiveness because I've been doing that and I've been minimizing it and I've been reasoning and rationalizing away and I've been ripping you off. I've been ripping others off. I've been doing these things, but not anymore, God. Not anymore. So you have to declare war on that little thing. Some of you, that little thing has a hold on you and it's taking over your life. And you know it. And maybe you don't even let people see what that little thing is, but it's there. You know you're growing closer to God when the things you used to overlook are no longer acceptable. Your hunger for God is greater. That's when you know you're growing. And there's these small, seemingly insignificant wins that happen in your life that you think, I used to lie a little bit. I used to cheat a little bit. I used to hate a little bit. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. But you know you're growing with God when those little things that you used to overlook, you're no longer overlooking, and you're saying, you know what, God, I want you to change my character. I don't want to have a short temper anymore. I want you to do something inside of me, God. I want, to, I want you to, 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 to give me self-control because I don't have self-control right now. And sometimes I just lose it and I, I, you know, I mess up. And God, I, that little thing, I, you know what? I'm sarcastic, God. You know, God, I, 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 men, maybe this is you. I treat my woman badly and I'm going to change that. Or women, maybe it's I treat my, my, my man badly and I... I, I Try to, whatever, you know, those little things. You say, you know what? I'm going to be different. I'm not going to be him. I'm not going to be her. And you declare war on that little thing. The thing about little things, the thing about them is there, there's so much at stake with the little thing. And we convince ourselves we could be unfaithful in the little thing and experience Big things. We convince ourselves that we can, we can, uh, we can, we can live life and, and 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 do life with God, even though there's that little thing in our life. Some of you can identify with moving on. Some of you, uh, you used to have no problem with uh, not keeping your word, and at some point, that little thing became an issue. And now you've made it a goal to keep your word. Others of you haven't gotten there, maybe. Or maybe now you, you make sure that you do what you say you're going to do. And that's a big deal. Because that could be a little thing for some of us that it's like, you know what? I, it's no big deal that I can say something and not do it. And you don't sleep twice. And you, don't, you don't lose any sleep, whatever it is. Or that character issue or that sin issue. When it comes to... When it comes to money, for those of you who call yourself a Christian and you're, you're committed at a church, 
maybe your little thing has been you're not going to honor God with your finances. That's a, that's a thing that's very private between you and God. So today, I'm going to put up that QR code. Let's put it up now. This could be your biggest step. I'm no longer going to reason and rationalize. I'm no longer going to do that. And I'm going to make it a habit to give. Now, that's a big deal. That's a very private decision that has public spiritual consequences. When God sees you're faithful with little, and whatever it is, he'll, he'll, he'll bless you with much. Uh, there's a story called the parable of the talents. Um, it's in Matthew chapter 25. And it involves these uh, three servants and a rich guy. And Jesus shares this story. And Jesus says there's this rich man who was going off on a trip, and he called his three servants uh, the Bible versions say three managers. And he calls them in and he says, hey, I'm going to give you some money and your job is to manage the place. Your job is to uh, invest well you know, with what I'm giving you. And uh, so one servant gets five bags of gold. Another servant gets two bags of gold. And the, uh, the third servant gets one bag. So you got five and two and one. And he gives, he gives it to them according to their, to their ability. And what happens is when he comes back from his trip, the rich guy meets with, um, with these servants and says, okay, how'd it go? How'd my investment, how'd, how'd, it, how'd it go? And he goes through these guys and, and the guy who had five bags of gold, he said, look, I invested. And here I got five more bags of gold. And, and the, 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 you know, the, the rich man was, was uh, you know, you awarded him and, and said, way to go. And then the guy with two bags, same thing happened. Same thing happened. Um, he, he got that. And I'm going to pick up on Matthew chapter 25, verse, verse uh, 23. I mean, this is the second servant. He said, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in have, handling this amount. So now... I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So that's, that's what he basically said to the first guy also. So here's the third servant. Then the servant with the one bag of, of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Incredible. So the third guy gets one bag of gold or silver, whichever translation you read. And what he did with it, he didn't invest it. He didn't do anything with it. He buried it into the ground and he just pulls it out of the ground, wipes off the dirt, and Jesus said, you wicked and lazy servant. I look at this third servant, and I think, you know what? He didn't realize what was in the bag. It wasn't gold, it wasn't silver. He didn't realize it was worth more than gold. You know what it was? It was God's grace. It was God trusting it was a stewardship issue. God was entrusting him with something that was his. You hear that? 
So it was way more than gold. It was way more than silver. And then I thought about this and I thought, well, have we made the same mistake? I mean, what has God given you? God has given you breath. What are you doing with that breath? God has given you strength. What are you doing with that? God has given you a good mind. What are you doing with that? Some of you, God has just given you talents. What are you, and you're, you're creative. What are you doing with that? Some of you, God has given you understanding of his word. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with it? Uh, what do you, I mean, what are, you, what are you doing with God's grace and his mercy that he's just given you? And, and what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with it? Some of you have been given an incredible opportunity and you have parents that have been Christians. Anybody have parents that have been Christians? Wow. You know, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You're at a, a, you've been given a place of grace and you start a wonderful heritage. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with that? And then you look at this third servant. I don't think he realized what was in the bag. And here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want you to hear. Uh, when God gives you something, God expects a return. He expects a return. When God gives you a word, he expects a return. He expects you to do something with what he showed you. You hear that? He expects you to live differently, act differently, make some decisions in your life based on what he showed you, what he has revealed to you. Whatever it is, when God gives you something, he expects an ROI, a return on investment. And what we can do is do nothing and bury it in the ground. And God said, no, 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 no. I gave that to you. I'm giving it to you now. I'm giving you grace. I've given you forgiveness. I've given you love. I've given you that talent. I've given you that mind. I've given you that strength. What are you going to do with it that's going to matter in heaven? What are you going to do with it? And God wants a return on his investment. I think about this, guys, and I'm just going to be honest with you. There's people that I look at. I look at everyone and I, I can see, oh my word, you have incredible gifts. Some of you are so gifted. And I've seen, maybe it's with your hands or maybe it's with your mind. So gifted. And I, I look at that and I think, oh my, your, your personality. Some of you are just so, you're just a people person and you can talk to a fence post. You're just so good at talking to people. I, I can see others, you're just good with your hands. I feel like anytime I'm going to ride in a car with you, I never have to worry about if the car breaks down because you're with me. You know what I mean? I, there's people like that. There's people that are so creative and they do things and it's just like, wow, that came out of your mind? That's amazing. And you're able to do that? And I see all that. I see people who are gifted. And you know what? As a pastor, I see people bury their gift in the ground. And they come to church and they don't use their gift for the kingdom of heaven at all. They only use it to make money for themselves. And I've seen people come and go. And sometimes when I see that, I'm just going to be honest with you. I look at them and I think, wow, where would the church be right now if they would have unleashed their gifts 
and have used it for the church of Jesus Christ, the church would be different. The church would be, it would be stronger. It would be healthier, maybe bigger, whatever. The church would be different if they only, if they were only faithful with what God has given them. You hear me? And sometimes when I see that, I see people, and I'm just telling you, sometimes I see people and I see how gifted they are, or I see their mind, I see their love for God's word, or I see whatever it is, their giftings, and I look at them and they can talk Christian, they can talk church-like, they can talk about Bible stories, they can talk about all that stuff, but they're doing nothing, nothing. Maybe just posting a few verses or something on their wall or something, I guess. But they're doing nothing. And I think, wow. And honestly, you know what I think? What a waste. What a waste. They buried it in the ground. And they're not doing anything. And we minimize that little thing that God wants you to do. That little thing, that decision that God wants you to make. David Green said this. I kind of became a David Green fan when I heard about that commercial. He said, you can't have a belief system on Sunday and not live it the other six days. I mean, it's super easy to say I believe in God when you're in a church, right? It's super easy to sing songs. We sing songs and we sing lyrics that are pretty big lyrics sometimes, but we sing them. Verse 11, Jesus said, And if you were untrustworthy about worldly wealth, check it out. Who will trust you with the, what? With the true riches of heaven. Say that with me. The true riches of heaven. Now, did you see what Jesus did? He's talking about money and he's saying, you know what? If you're not faithful, if you're not a good steward, With worldly wealth, we're talking about greenbacks. We're talking about, you know, whatever it is. He said, if if you're not faithful with that, then you won't be faithful with the true riches of heaven. The true riches of heaven. And then I thought, Jesus is saying there's two wealths here. He said there's two kinds of riches. There's worldly wealth and there's heaven wealth. There's two kinds. And I thought, Like, what are the true riches of heaven? What is that? And you know what I thought about? The presence of God. There's nothing like being in the presence of God. And then I thought, what about the favor of God? That's that's true riches in heaven right there. What about the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God? I think heaven is made up of people who formerly didn't believe in God or, or who, who were, were sinners saved by the grace of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ, whatever it is. I, I think the presence of Jesus and souls that have been saved by the blood of Christ, I think the presence of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the favor of God, the wisdom of God, the wisdom that comes from God, the rewards that come from trusting and obeying God, the rewards that come from walking by faith. I think these are the true Riches of heaven. Peace 
from above. Joy from above. Joy unspeakable. True riches of heaven are the things that matter to God. The things that are going to outlive our world, our short time in this world. Those are the true riches of heaven. Let me say it like this. Jesus was saying the riches of heaven are worth more than the riches of this world. So what are you saying? But let's just be honest here just for a little bit. If we're honest with ourselves, just be honest for a little bit. When you, if, if you look at that, the riches of heaven are worth more than the riches of this world, and you say, I believe that, I agree with that, then I would say, if we're honest with ourselves, many times, if we're just honest with ourselves, our actions say something different. We say, yep, 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 everything that matters in heaven is, um, you know, it's important to me. And yep, God's word and faith and obedience and all that stuff, yep, it matters. But many times we just have it backwards. We value our money more than the riches of heaven, don't we? That's the reason why people don't give. We value our money more than our riches of heaven. We value our comfort more than sacrifice, don't we? I mean, honest, for some of us, it's about our comfort. That's how we determine whether it's God's will. If, it, if it's uncomfortable for us, we say, I don't feel good about it, and I'm not going to do it. We value our comfort. You know, God didn't call you to a life of comfort. You know that, right? God didn't call you to a life of comfort. We value our time more than serving God. A lot of us, our reason why we don't serve is because we don't have time. You think God is big enough to multiply your time if you give him your time? What about this? We value our interest more than the interests of others. It's about what I think. It's about what I feel. It's about my wants. It's about my desires. And we can elevate our interests above the interest of others. Or, or this, we value our plan more than God's plan. You know what we do? is we say, I'm going to make this plan, and then we say, God, you bless my plan. That's what we do. God, you bless my plan. But we don't start with him and ask him, what's your plan, God? We value ourselves more than dying to ourselves. Way more. So we can look at this and say the riches of heaven are worth more, but really our actions say just the opposite. The riches of this world is what I want more than the riches of heaven. That's the truth for a lot of us. And all you have to do is look around and you, you can see that. You can see that. What do you value more? A $1,000 check or telling someone about Jesus? Which one would you want? Yeah. What do you value more? Going to church or going on a vacation? <laughs> what do you value more? I'm, I'm all for vacations, believe me. But what do you value more? What do you value more? Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to do anything God asks of you? Are you willing to do anything God asks of you? Really? Turn to the person next to you and just ask them, really? Just do that. Really? Anything? Seriously, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's below you, even if it means whatever, are you willing to do anything God asks of you? Are you willing to do that? What does it mean? What if it means sacrifice? What if it means discomfort? What if it means the unknown? 
What if it means facing your fears? What if it means loving someone that you hate? What if it means loving someone that votes the wrong way, a different way from you? What if it means that? What if it means just being Jesus to someone, just showing love? Are you willing to do anything God asks of you? Our men's retreat that we had a couple of weeks ago, I, I took a picture. Um, this is us when we were, uh, this was Friday night. We had three services, and this was the last service on Friday night. And I, this is only half of the room. So I was, I was in the front row. You can actually see the podium just a little bit. And, and I, I took a picture on the left, and to my right behind me, there were guys doing the same thing behind me. But that Friday night, I'll just... Uh, it's hard to, well, not hard, but I, it just, it wrecked me. It wrecked me. Um, I sensed the presence of the Lord. Have you ever experienced the presence of the Lord? It's weird. When, when, you, when you feel the presence of the Lord in a thick way, all of a sudden things are very clear. And there's healing that happens in the presence of the Lord. There's healing that happens. There's an awareness that God is real. The first time I experienced the presence of the Lord, the first time, was when I got saved. When I was, I, you know, just turned 18 years old, and it was in my bedroom. And Jesus met me in my bedroom. And this is when you think the pastor's crazy. Jesus met me in my bedroom. Nobody was around. I read the parable of the sower, and there was a light in my room and I kept my eyes closed and I was just aware that there's a God. And I never knew there was a God like that. And all of a sudden I felt this combination of fear, a holy fear and peace. Fear and peace. That's what I remember and I just kept saying, Jesus, don't ever leave me, don't ever leave me, don't ever leave me, don't ever leave me. That was my prayer, don't ever leave me, don't ever leave me, don't ever leave me. I said that prayer over and over because when I was seven years old, my dad walked out of my life. So I kept praying, don't ever leave me, don't ever leave me. I said that prayer as my grandpa died when I was nine years old. And I was like, don't ever leave me, don't ever leave me, don't ever leave me. I just need you, God. Anybody have hurt like that? I just need you. Well, that, that Friday night, we were worshiping and... I was just, just caught up in it. I felt like God, like, like he got his little pinky and he put his fingernail in the service. Just like a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Just like a little dip. That's what he just showed us a little pinky of his just like, boop, just like that. And I was, so, I don't know anybody, anybody else, any other men. I, I think we were singing so loud. I just can assume that men were in on it and they were feeling it. And I got up on stage and I started dancing like David and it was just fun. And I, I just didn't care. And you guys have seen me dance when I get excited about God. I just was dancing and yelling. And then and, and Mark took a picture of me yelling and jumping and dancing. It's like, I didn't care. But that night, it just, it just wrecked me. Because then I thought, well, you know, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine and, and, and I was telling him, I want that all the time. I want to experience God all the time. Every time we come together, I want to experience that. And his pastor was like, you know what? That was a retreat. That's just a different setting. That was on the mountain. Time wasn't a factor. Everybody was away. It's not real. Do you really think, he asked me, do you really think it's realistic, Reuben, 
to have that feeling all the time. Well, what do you think I said to him? Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. I, I know you guys, it's okay. You have a crazy pastor. <laughs> I want to experience God like that all the time. All the time. Don't you want God in your life? Don't you need God in your life? Guys, if I'm up here preaching and just sharing a Bible story message and we're not experiencing the presence of God, goodbye. I'm resigning. You can have someone else give you a Bible study. Why am I going to waste my time? I want the presence of God. I want the presence. I don't want to just play games. I don't want to go through the motions. I need God. I want God in my life. I need God in my life. Anybody else need God in your life? I need God in my life. We uh, came back on that Saturday, February 4th, and all I could think about was that Friday night. We came back on Saturday, February 4th, and then on Wednesday, February 8th, I heard about something that was happening in Wilmington, Kentucky. Anybody hear about that? Yeah. You hear about that? And you know why? I was already wrecked from Friday. I was already wrecked from what God was doing there on Friday at, at Men's Street. I was already, I felt his, his little pinky do this number. And I was already, I was already there, guys. I'm just telling you, there was already a revival that was happening inside of my heart already. It's like, I want more of God. I want more of God. I want more of God. I was already there. So then on what happens then on, on Friday, or excuse me, on, uh, on that Wednesday, February 8th, at Asbury Theological Seminary. What's interesting about that is that's the school that I was looking at going to at one point. I was looking at going to seminary there and getting uh, my master's degree over there. And, and so anyway, that, that school, um, they, had, uh, they have chapel three days a week, and they're typically in the morning. But on that Wednesday, there were a few students that stayed behind after chapel. And they prayed, and they started to worship God. Just a handful of students. It was like 10 students or something like that. All Gen Zers. Glory to God. Everyone's gone. The adults are gone. And these Gen Z students are like, I, we want to pray. So it was after a message, and the message was okay. It wasn't anything flashy or anything like that. But these students just decided to hang out a little bit and stay. And then they kind of started to worship and pray all on their own. God put it in their heart to seek him. God put it in their heart to seek him. Check what happened, guys. This thing started to grow. More students People started, uh, adults and professors started recognizing where's everybody at. And they started seeing these, these students and other adults started joining them. And they started worshiping God from that moment. And check this out. They have been going nonstop, even to this day, even through the middle of the night. They're worshiping God. And now people are driving in from all over the country to witness this. Take a look at this video.
Praise the Lord. Uh, look at this picture, guys. Let me show you this picture. Isn't that amazing? Check out this next picture. There's people humbling themselves and crying out to God. That's what they're doing. They're praying, worshiping. People, they're, they're reading scripture. They're giving testimonies, phenomenal life-changing testimonies of how God's moving. How God's moving. Look at this picture. Outside, people are standing outside for hours and hours, even in the rain, six hours, waiting to get inside just to witness it. Are anybody hungry for God? Is there anybody hungry for God? Anybody hungry for God? Sarah Baldwin, she's the VP of Student Development. She posted something. She said this, Last Wednesday, February 8th at 11 a.m., the Holy Spirit filled Hughes Auditorium, our chapel, and has not let up. Again and again, people report experiencing God like they never have before in their lives. Early on, thick clouds came down and settled around our campus. I will never forget how it seemed to be the visible thick presence of Jesus settling in on us. The movement of God is across the generations. From 93 years old to two weeks old, they have shown up. College students arriving with backpacks and pillows and wheelchairs and elderly people, babies in strollers and arms and in front packs, children and many teenagers. And of course, at the heart of this, Gen Zers. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit lit the wick of Gen Z. And now people from around the nation are putting their candle into the fire, experiencing the goodness and grace of God. Many testimonies from college students about release from anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. Come Lord Jesus, this generation needs you. Words that people keep saying to me about the experience, love of God, joy of Jesus. I've never experienced this, I have never felt Jesus like this. I hear this all day, every day for seven days. News of incoming students, constant updates about colleges pulling up at all hours of day and night. Another bus is coming. 50 arrived tomorrow. 100 expected tonight. No lyrics. Can you even imagine this, churchgoers? No lyrics. Except for two hours in our planned morning chapel services, not a lyric to be seen on a screen for 168 hours. It's just been simple. Afternoon testimony time, hearing people testify to the goodness of God and incredible testimonies, often about freedom from addiction, healing of relationship, a word of blessing proclaimed, food arriving unrequested day in and day out for the ministry team, a beautiful table with flowers and scripture laid out for us, piled high with every kind of healthy snack, homemade baked potato soup, a grandma's hummingbird cake, scotchies and homemade cheese balls and vegetable platters and mountains of Chick-fil-A, protein bars, protein drinks, fruit. So much food arriving for students unrequested. 50 pizzas at a time again and again and again. Anonymous Chick-fil-A, massive drop-off. A man, a mom who made chocolate chip cookies all day in Indianapolis and drove them here in the evening. A food truck showing up today. God told me to cook for God's people for free. Here I am. The student 
who had felt called to create and staff a coffee station for the last seven days. She took it on herself. She said Jesus called her to do it, to make coffee for hundreds with two Keurigs. She ran out of cups and prayed for more cups. She got more cups. Testimony by a young man named Gage from Michigan, the joy of abundance in his whole being. I will not forget his face and words. May I pray for you? May I pray for you? May I pray for you? A prayer team of volunteers trained and prepared all day and unto the night. A healing of a freshman who due to a mild cerebral palsy had never run before running. So many people who have shared I was here in 1970. There was a revival there in the same campus in 1970. I was here in 1953 when God showed up. I had to come back. I had to come back. Christian celebrities, unannounced and without introduction or crowd awareness in the room. A crowd waiting to get into Hughes, like hundreds of people waiting, seating people two here, three here throughout the evening as others comes. Asbury volunteers and now others who have shown up 24 hours a day, everyone mobilized and supported 24 hours infrastructure for crowds on a dime. Some point, we saw the crowds were picking up and started planning an evening event for what would be 3,000 in literally under an hour, pivot, adapt, move, change, stretch, grow. The infrastructure of it all has been a text thread. She said, I just love this. For all my spreadsheets, organizational plans, for all the administrative work we do at AU, when it comes down to it, we've had a text thread keeping us in step with each other, literally minute by minute. Somewhere early in this, without talking to each other about it at first, we just stopped introducing ourselves at the mic. When we gathered people, with the exception of the actual 10 to 11 chapel hours, nameless, it just seemed unimportant to even say our names. When we coordinate so carefully introductions all throughout the year at AU, now it has been just been about Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? God tells us, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart you know guys I've just been praying for a long time that God would just do a revival you maybe heard it in my prayers and I said God would you start here God would you start here and I I see this and I I do believe God is doing something fresh in you Habakkuk chapter 1 says he's going to do something nobody's seen before and I believe just how God moves He's working and he's starting with the Gen Zers. Glory to God. And I believe that's going to spread across the nation. It's already started to spread on campuses. And then I thought, well, good night. It's spreading on campuses. Why isn't it spreading in churches? What are we doing? Why isn't it when we talk about Jesus and read his word all the time? Why isn't it spreading in churches? And I think, you know, I, I was talking to Grace and, and, and she said, do you want to go? And yeah, there's a part of me that wants to go. But the other part of me is, well, I want that same Holy Spirit here. I want to witness this presence of Jesus here. 
I want to experience his presence right here. That's where I'm at. I want his presence right here. I want Jesus here. And I just, I'm just waiting for other hungry people to join me. I'm waiting for other people who say, I want Jesus more than I want bread. I want Jesus more than I want food. I want Jesus more than anything else. I want Jesus. I want his will. I want his spirit. I want him. And I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting for this thing to catch fire. Just waiting. Jeremiah 33. It says, call to me and I will answer you and I'll tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Whew, Lord, come. Let me just say, I believe God wants to pour his spirit on Thorn Creek Church in a fresh way. But the only way it happens, guys, is if you hunger for it in a fresh way. The only way this happens, if you desire God in a different way than when you came into church right now, in a different way than you're watching online, in a different way than you did yesterday. We've got to seek God. And just, just like this VP of Student Development said, I believe God by His grace, like a cloud coming down on us, the Spirit will come down on us. It's His choice. He, he chooses. He chooses where He wants to dwell. But he always responds to broken hearts, hearts of repentance, hearts of confession, hearts of humility, and hearts of adoration. He'll respond to that. He'll, he, he, he'll respond to that. I believe God wants to pour his spirit on Thorn Creek Church, guys. I just believe it's gonna happen across the nation. And I wanna be part of the party. I wanna be part of the party. I don't wanna read about it. I don't wanna watch videos about it. I wanna witness it. I wanna witness it. I want to see people coming to church that hadn't been in church in a long time and just felt strangely drawn to come to this place and get saved right in the middle of the beach because they were presence of Jesus. I want to see people who are about to go into that liquor store stop and come into here and be set free from addictions right here in the name of Jesus. And I think, what if, what if the presence of the Lord came down on us, guys? What if the Holy Spirit came down on us? What would happen? And I'm just going to tell you where I'm at right now, guys. I'm okay with doing church right now and all the way through the night, in the middle of the night till the morning. That's where I'm at. Some of you, you're not there. I know you're not. But I want to say, can you get there? Can you get there? We, let's not bury it in the ground. God's done so much. And that's just where I'm at. That's just where I'm at. I've been thinking, I said, like, what would church look like if we started it on Saturday at six o'clock and we just went all the way through the night and kept worshiping all the way till Sunday at 12 o'clock. And that was our new worship time. We had one, six o'clock every Saturday. No more three services. We just had one. And for all of you who wake up in the morning at two o'clock in the morning and three in the morning and four in the morning because you can't sleep, you just go to church. Wouldn't that be cool? What if, what if God wanted to move here in a special way? And what if it just required you to seek him with all of your heart and stop making excuses and stop making excuses? About why? Oh gosh, some of you have been given so much and it's just buried in the ground. 
God wants to move in a special way. So this is just where I'm at, guys. And the other thought I had is this. What if God just poured his spirit? What if a few of you said, nope, we're not leaving. We're going to stay. What if, I mean, what if it didn't end? I mean, what if it would happen all day on Sunday and all Sunday night and it went up, started up again on Monday morning and it kept going all day Monday and all day Tuesday? I know I lost a lot of you. I know it. For some of you, you think an hour and a half and that's it. You know what? God can do things that you can't imagine. God can do things that doesn't make any sense. God can do things that you will not even fathom. God can do things, but he wants you to cry out to him. Anybody with me? Is there anybody in the house that has faith? Is there anybody in the house that's hungry? Is there anybody who wants to seek God at the greater, greater, greater place? It starts with you. It starts with you. It's, I'm, I'm trying to light a flame here, guys. It starts. It starts. But it, it, we have to cry out to God. If you want more of God, you can experience him. If you want more of God, you're watching online. If you want more of God, you can experience him. And his presence is a game changer. His presence is a game changer. We're going we're gonna to do this song right now, guys. And um, here's what I want to encourage you to do. For some of you, you're already looking at your watch thinking it's time to go. And I want to say go. Go. It's okay. Leave. Please leave. You're like a wet piece of wood on a fire. It's okay. You can leave. But others of you who just want God and you got problems in your life and you need God, you stay. You stay. And we're going to do this song right now, and I want to encourage you. Maybe you need to come forward and kneel down. Maybe you need to kneel down where you're at. Maybe you need to stand up and worship with both of your hands. But worship like you don't care what other people think about you. Worship like that. Worship like you don't care what other people think. And seek God with all of your heart and with all of your strength because... Our breath has been given to us and we're only borrowing it. Don't you want to experience God? Lord God, have your way. Move here, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, I try to be faithful to what you want me to preach about this week. I've trusted you. So stir hearts here, God. Would you just start a fire here, Lord? And do whatever you want. Do whatever you want, Jesus. Amen. 